I'm here to remind you this morning that our God is greater. He is greater. He is greater than anything you and I can ever face in our life. 1 John 4 and verse 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. He is greater than anything that ever comes our way. Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5. Our title this morning is He is Greater. He is Greater. You know, we often talk about the power of God and the preeminence of God. Even if we're not able to fully understand it, we, we talk about that a lot. We say to ourselves, as long as God's on our side, we haven't got anything to worry about. Yet so often we li- live in a way that say these statements are true. We, we say that, but we don't live it that way sometimes. Let a little uncertainty come our way. A little bit of Adversity come our way, things change. Our confidence tends to evaporate. We say we know He's sovereign, yet we allow the circumstances of our lives to sort of make us live in a way that people say, well, you don't think He's sovereign. You don't think He's in control of everything. We sing sing hymns about Him coming out of the grave, up from the grave He arose, yet we live sometimes like He never even made it out of the tomb. We know the Bible teaches that we are more than conquerors through Christ. That that once He's our Lord and Savior, we've already obtained victory, yet we live in defeat so many times. I'm here to remind you this morning that our God is greater. He is greater. He is greater than anything you and I can ever face in our life. 1 John 4 and verse 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, it doesn't say that you are overcoming. And it doesn't say that you have, you, you will overcome. But it says that you have overcome. Past tense. It's a done deal. There's a contemporary Christian song that's uh, been on the radio for nine or ten years. And I have heard it hundreds of times. Probably sang along with it in the car hundreds of times. But I ran across it this week as I was preparing for this message. And the title of it is Greater. It's by Mercy Me. I never really focused on the words until I watched that music video and saw those words on the screen and my eyes began to leak a little bit after the first few lines. This is what that song says. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right, but that's all right. Because I hear a voice and He calls me redeemed when others say I'll never be enough. And greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. Verse 2, bring your doubts and bring your fears. Bring your hurt and bring your tears. There'll be no condemnation here. You are holy, righteous, and redeemed. And in the chorus, 
I hear a voice and He calls me redeemed when others say I'll never be enough. And greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. We've been working our way through Romans. Uh, and I told you last week, I thought we probably were through with Romans. Up until about Thursday, I was planning on Jeremiah this week. And God said, uh-uh, you're not through with Romans yet. So we're in Romans 5 this morning. When will we be through with Romans? I don't know. Just like when we kind of stepped off into Revelation last summer and we thought it was going to be a few weeks, ended up being 10, I think. We'll just let the Lord lead it. But just to kind of recap for you where we've been, where we've come from the last few weeks. In that first week, you know, we started in Romans chapter 1 and Paul introduces himself to the Romans. And he had those three I am statements. He said, I am obligated to Jews and Greeks. I'm eager to preach, he said, and I'm unashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. In that second week, we looked at the latter part of Romans 1 and Romans 2 and then a verse or two out of Romans 3. And Paul made the case in that section of Scripture that all mankind is sinful and without excuse. He pointed out the heathen, the unbeliever, who has no excuse because they can look up in the stars and see that there's a God. He pointed out the hypocrite, the one who's pretending to play church, pretending to be a Christian, and pointing fingers at others and saying, you're not as good as me. And he said they're without excuse. And then he talked about the, the Hebrew, the Jew. Even though they had the law and the prophets, they're without excuse. And he said there was no escape except for through Christ Jesus. And so we, that led us to the next week, last week, where we talked about the greatest discovery that you and I can ever make is that we're dreadfully in need of a Savior. And Jesus is the one. But the greatest discovery is that it's not by works, it's not by law, but it's by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus. That's the greatest discovery that you and I can ever make. And so we get to Romans 5, and the first word there of Romans 5 says, therefore. Therefore, meaning what Paul has just laid out in chapters 1 through 4. Therefore, Verse 1 of chapter 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. That's the first two verses of Romans chapter 5. That's the result. He is greater than anything that ever comes our way. So this morning as we look at this passage from Romans 5, we're going to read the whole chapter I want to press three things on your heart this morning that I think we need to be reminded of when we come to realize our wretchedness and that we cannot save ourselves. When we get to that point and we have accepted Him by faith, then I think there are three things we need to remember as we try to walk the Christian life. Let's read together, starting there in verse 1 of Romans chapter 5. We'll read through the whole chapter. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. 
You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as Adam did, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also great Grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through, our, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, as we seek to glean from your word some truth this morning, Lord, speak through me. We want you to have all the honor and glory and praise. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I think as we get to the point where we realize we need a Savior and we realize that it's by grace alone through faith alone. And there's three things here I think that I see in this passage, three, three, three reminders that we need to be reminded of when we come to that point. First, I think we need to know He is greater than our suffering. He is greater than our suffering. In verse 3 there that we just read a minute ago, says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. He's greater than our suffering, you see, because it grows us, it yields that perseverance and character and hope. In Matthew chapter 5, Verses 10 through 12 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. 
For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's Matthew 5. In Psalm 34, starting in verse 17, the psalmist writes, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Because he's greater than our suffering. Renee and I have a friend in Meridian who's always saying this. Nothing ever comes to us until it's passed through God's hands first. That's an interesting and a profound truth that we need to wrap our mind around. Anything that comes to us is already passed through God's hands. Because God is greater than our suffering. Job knew this. You remember Job. In one day he lost all kids, all ten of them. All of his possessions, his, his health. And what did he do? He says he got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. And listen to this, Job 1 and verse 20. Then Job fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I've come from my mother's womb and naked I'll depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. See, Job knew that God was greater than his suffering. King David knew when he and Bathsheba had the child that, that she conceived when they committed adultery. And the child was ill. The scripture says David fasted and prayed and wept over the child, praying that he would be healed. And then the child died. But what did David do? He got up and he washed himself, put on new clothes, and went into the house of the Lord to worship. And his attendant said, why are you acting this way? You've just lost a child. And David said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he's dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? No. I will go to him, but he won't come back to me. See, David knew that God was greater than that suffering that he was experiencing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew they knew that God was greater than their suffering. When they came before Nebuchadnezzar and they refused to bow down to that golden statue. And Nebuchadnezzar said, we're going to throw you in this furnace. And they said, in Daniel 3, if we're thrown into that blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. And you know the story. They were thrown in the fiery furnace. And when they looked in, they saw that fourth man. That was Jesus there in the midst of their suffering, protecting them. And it's the same way with us. When we find ourselves in, a, in the midst of suffering, we need to remember that He's greater than our suffering. He's right there with us in that fiery furnace. The 1800s preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon it said he had a plaque on his wall in his bedroom with the psalm Isaiah. 48 and verse 10 on it. And that verse says, See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. That's what Spurgeon had engraved on a plaque in his bedroom. And as he wrote about this, it says, he said, it's no mean thing to be chosen of God. He wrote, God's choice makes chosen men choice men. We're chosen not in the palace, but in the furnace. In the furnace, beauty is marred. Fashion is destroyed. Strength is melted. Glory is consumed. 
Yet here eternal love reveals its secrets and declares its choice. Just because you and I come to faith in Jesus doesn't mean we're not going to have suffering. We're always going to have suffering. We're going to have persecution. But it's in those times in the furnace of affliction that God is there with us. In those times where we're in that deepest, darkest despair of suffering, God is greater than that suffering. We need to remember that. Back in the 1800s, there was a group of women studying the book of Malachi. And they came to Malachi 3 and verse 3. Where it says, he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. They didn't know what they were talking about. They didn't know what that meant. So they went to a silversmith and asked to, to know the process of refining silver. And the man was sitting there at the bench watching the furnace. And he told her the whole process. She said, you don't ever take your eye off of it? No, ma'am. I have to sit here the whole time and keep my eye firmly fixed on that silver in the furnace. Because if I go too far, if it's pressured too far, it'll ruin it. It'll harm it. And so she realized what that verse meant, that God was refining us in the furnace with His loving care, watching us, making sure that we weren't injured, but refining us and perfecting us. And as she was about to leave, the man said, I forgot to tell you the best part. I know that the silver is refined when I can see my reflection in it. And that's the way it is with us. When we go through the furnace of affliction, when God purifies us, we reflect His image all the more. Because He's greater than our suffering. Are you going through some trial this morning? Some sickness? Some shame? Or whatever it might be. Some sorrow. God wants you to know He's greater than your suffering. But the second thing I think we need to know, He's greater than our sin. He is greater than our sin. Look at verse 6 there starting back in our text. You see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for our sins because He's greater than our sin, you see. I've got several passages that you might want to jot them down here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds we've been healed. 1 John 1, and verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. When John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan River and he saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Because He's greater than our sin, you see. Ephesians 1 and verse 7. In Him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He's lavished on us. And we sing that hymn about the wonderful grace of Jesus. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured. There where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Because He is greater than our sin, you see. 
We read in Psalms 103 where God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. We read in Micah 7 where it says God tramples our sin under the feet under his feet and puts it in the depths of the ocean. Time and time and time again, Scripture shows us that He is greater than any sin you and I can ever commit. He is greater than our sins. I didn't know this, but on the Day of Atonement, the Jews, the high priest would go in once a year to make atonement for the sins of the people. And I didn't know this part until I read this week. Do you know what the priest would say when he emerged from doing all the sacrifice and sprinkling the blood? Guess what he said? It is finished. That's what the high priest would say when he would emerge from the Holy of Holies after the sacrifice had been made. He would say, it is finished. The same words that Jesus said on the cross, the last words that he said on the cross when he hung there in pain and agony on the cross at Calvary and he said, it is finished. Our high priest, Jesus, uttered those same words. Because at Calvary, our sin debt was paid in full. Once and for all. And we could be set free from the bondage of that sin if we come to Jesus by faith. Because He is greater than our sin too, you see. But the third thing I have you to see, not only is He greater than our suffering, not only is Jesus greater than our sin, He is greater than our sentence. And you say, what are you talking about? Sentence. You and I in our natural human state have a death sentence. We're on death row, each and every one of us. Adam and Eve in the garden, when they were told, don't touch the tree of good and evil, when they took of that tree and ate that fruit, God had told them, on that day you will surely die. And they surely did die spiritually. The physical part took about 900 years. But they were surely dead. In verse 12 there of our text, therefore it talks about this with sin coming into the humankind through Adam. Therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. And then skip on down to verse 18 of Romans chapter 5. Consequently just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, So also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. You and I inherited a sin nature from Adam. We inherited it from our parents who got it from their parents and on and on and on back down to Adam. It's a disease that we've inherited since the beginning of time. And in Romans 6, in verse 23, it says the wages of that sin is death. That's our sentence, our death sentence. Because we have sinned. We learned last a week or so ago in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you have sinned in your life, if you've ever sinned one time, you have a death sentence. But there's a little three-letter word in the rest of that verse, Romans 6 and verse 23. A little three-letter word spelled B-U-T. And that may be the biggest word in the Bible. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
You see, because He's greater than our sentence. He has secured for us a pardon with His own blood. We don't have to stay on death row. When we come to Him by faith, letting the blood of Jesus cover our sin, then He releases us from that death sentence. Offers us that pardon free and clear. If you ask Him to do that and have faith that He'll do it, He will surely save you. Maybe this morning you find yourself, you've already committed your life to Him, but you're still entangled in some sin. You feel trapped. Jesus is greater than your sin. He can set you free. Once it's under His blood, it's forgiven. And it no longer has dominion over you. That's what the Bible says. You need to be reminded of that truth that He's greater than your sin. Or maybe this morning your problem is a problem of suffering. You're suffering some loss, some sorrow, some shame, some guilt. He's greater than your suffering. You keep holding on. You keep praying. Keep leaning on His everlasting arms. Because He is greater than anything that ever comes our way. Whatever needs you, you need to get off your chest this morning. The altar's always open. You do it now because in just a minute we're going to sing these words. It is well with my soul. Make sure that you're right with Him because I want you to sing those words truthfully as you sing them. It is well with my soul. We want to make sure that when you sing those words you're being truthful. We need to realize that He is greater than anything. He's greater than our suffering. He's greater than our sin. And He's greater than our sentence to die. Because he paid it all. Let's pray. Father, it's a joy to know that whatever comes our way, Lord, that you're there for us. You provide a way of escape when we're tempted to sin. You provide salvation through your blood that was shed on the cross, Lord. And just it's my prayer this morning that each and every one here today have laid hold of that claim have laid hold of that pardon. And if not, Lord, it's available free and clear. If we'll just reach out and take it by faith, Lord. For those that might listen online later, help them to know that you are greater than any problem they ever face. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.